This is Voices of Texas, the podcast featuring the most interesting Texans you've never heard of. Recording in Midland, Texas, here is your host, Matthew Hinman. Big Texas howdy to you today from the podcast about Texans. You're going to love my guest today, but before we get started, here are a couple of quick things. So you're a podcaster too, huh? Well, you need a good place to host your web media. And let me tell you about Blueberry. Blueberry hosting is highly optimized for those using WordPress with their free PowerPress plugin. Publishing your podcast is a simple three-step process. One, produce your podcast. Two, write your blog post. Three, publish. Think of it as a recipe. WordPress plus PowerPress plus Blueberry Hosting equals recipe for success. And when you use promo code VOTX, you'll get a free month of service. Trust me, your web hosting provider won't be able to handle the traffic of your downloads for long, and they can't give the awesome stats that you get with Blueberry. So what are you waiting for? Head over to blubrry.com and remember to use promo code VOTX for a free month of service. Howdy, this is Mike Zolkowski from Come and Take It, a podcast about Texas culture, history, and just what it means to be Texan. And in my opinion, Texas is simply amazing. Thanks for listening to Voices of Texas. This is Jeff Cope with the Texas Wine Lover Podcast, and Texas is obviously about wine. What? You didn't know Texas made wine? Well, it does, and there are almost 300 wineries producing wine in Texas. The Hill Country area of Texas is also the number two rated wine destination in the United States. So to learn more about Texas wine, come listen to the Texas Wine Lover podcast, which you can find on iTunes and Stitcher. Or better yet, go to the TexasWineLover.com website, read all about Texas wine, and you can listen to the podcast there too. Cheers! What is Texas? Well, you just heard Mike and Jeff talk about what they think about it. Well, David Wurst knows Texas probably better than anyone, from history to lore, from barbecue to Texas gardening. David and his wife, Ramona, have been connoisseurs of Texas for years. And a veteran of the newspaper industry, he's accumulated quite a bit of knowledge about the Lone Star State. I'm happy to welcome David to the show today. He joins us from his home in Helotes, just outside San Antonio. David, welcome to Voices of Texas. Oh, great to be here, Matthew. First, let me say uh, congratulations on creating the podcast, Voices of Texas. I am really enjoying this. I'm uh, I'm one of your newest subscribers, and I have to tell you what you're doing. So, uh, really, really great. It's been a lot of fun. It has been. You know, I, I find meeting interesting people all over the the big state of Texas. You know, and and bringing them here, I think it it gives them a voice to to be heard and. You know, it may not be the biggest audience in the world, but I think a lot of Texas folks are really appreciating it. Well, it may not be the biggest yet, but I, I assure you with the job you're doing, it will grow uh, and grow really fast. Yeah. So now you haven't always lived over there in uh, in the San Antonio area in Halotes, have you? No. In fact, I don't think I even knew where Halotes was. Uh, Halotes is the Spanish word for corn. And they have a, a corn festival uh, here in Helotis uh, every year, and it's it's like uh, like a lot of other uh, little suburb communities, bedroom communities 
it's just right outside. Uh, you can't tell where San Antonio ends and and Helotis begins. But uh, I grew up out in, in West Texas and spent most of my time there. We've only lived here a couple of years. So in relocating there to the San Antonio area, I'm sure you've run across some uh, cultural differences between West Texas and South Texas. I know I've lived in San Antonio and I'm out here in West Texas and I see a lot of differences. What have you noticed? Well, I've, I've just, I notice all kinds of things like that because I'm always looking for a story. Having been in the uh, newspaper business for so long, you know, I, I kind of came of age in the sixties, graduated from, Reagan County High School in 1967, uh, and I'm probably one of the last generations of Texans that didn't grow up with television in their in their house when they were kids. Now the local doctor had a TV uh, and he had an antenna that was a hundred feet tall, but but we didn't have one at our house. But the cultural differences out here is the difference between a an oil economy and uh and the economy of a city which is you know it's just immense uh my wife says uh you know it's not just the economy but it's it's being around so many people coming from west texas i've only run into two different cars since i've been here so that's pretty good (laughs) well uh so now what are i know what you were telling me before uh a little bit about how a breakfast burrito is not a breakfast burrito everywhere you go. Well, and that's that's not just um, in San Antonio. That's that's I don't know where in the world they're getting this, but but picture this: if you go to oh in Midland, uh, I assume there's still a Taco Villas there all over the place. Uh, yeah, and in uh, in the rest of the world, there's Taco Bell, but any. Mexican food restaurant you go into, can you picture a taco? It's a crunchy shell, or sometimes you can order a soft taco. That's what a taco is. Right. For reason, these crazy people down here and in Austin have the idea that a breakfast taco is something different. Well, I go in there and I always order a breakfast burrito. It is a burrito. And I had one guy try to explain to me that, uh, you know, why they call it a taco and why the difference between a burro and a burrito and all that. Right. And I just have to tell you, you know, I, I don't understand some of these, uh, some of these, uh, city people trying to rename a breakfast taco, even the stripes convenience store sometimes called them a breakfast taco. And I never <laughs> do answer to that. I always say I want a burrito. Yeah, you know, it's funny though, because Texas, it's almost like its own country because we have people in the South and the West and the North, and, and it's like immediate cultural differences when you go from one place to the other. So it, it really is. It, there's quite a, quite a culture difference, uh, especially even between the geographical areas of Texas. West Texas being one of the one of the last bastions, I would say, of of uh, not fitting in with the rest of the world. You think? Um, <laughs> I mean, there's some there's a lot of truth to that. I, and I, I, just being in Midland a little over a year now, 
I grew up in central Texas and I, I spent some time down in San Antonio as well, but it is a completely different culture out here, uh, than, than what I'm used to. And of course being, you know, we're, we're falling off the end of an, an oil boom over here. And, and the, it seems like, uh, every, every stoplight is, uh, NASCAR for some reason from the red light, you have to go zero to 60 in three seconds out here. Um, but I don't know if that's everywhere. At least it wasn't that way when I was in San Antonio. Well, it's, uh, things have really changed out in West Texas since the, uh, since the latest oil boom. Of course, I've lived through several oil booms. Um, but in Big Lake, uh, it's currently undergoing quite a boom also. I owned the newspaper in Big Lake for about 30 years and, it was it was just a you know a regular West Texas town, and then uh, the latest oil boom hit. Now our claim to fame in Big Lake was, and I guess it still is, Santa Rita Number One, uh, and that is the Discovery Well of the Permian Basin. And there's a replica of Santa Rita Number One in Midland. I, I think that's where you are. Right. Uh, out at the Petro- yeah petroleum museum, and uh, all of, all of that oil activity that we're talking about got started because of that one discovery well in uh, May of 1923 in Reagan County, Big Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there was a little town there called Texon, and it's still there, but nobody lives there now. Uh, and and I, that was the that was the uh, uh, Texas that I grew up in, it was kind of like the uh, the scene in the last picture show. I don't know if you've seen that movie or not, but uh, that that was us, and and it was all around West Texas. All the little towns in West Texas, you know, were that way. Right. There weren't really any child labor laws back then. <laughs> when we got big enough, and I didn't say old enough. When we got big enough, uh, we. Went out and worked Saturdays, Saturday mornings after the Friday night football game. We worked in the oil field. Sure, and, sure. And just like uh, Sonny and Dwayne in the last picture show, and I have to tell you, we caught H E double L. If if we didn't win the football game Friday night, <laughs> you'd hear about it Saturday morning, wouldn't you? We would hear about it from all those old guys that we worked with. We worked with grown men, and and it was a a really different assortment of people. Some of them were itinerant preachers and uh, drunks, ex-convicts, uh, you know, all kinds of people that you can imagine uh, we worked with, and we were just uh, young guys anywhere from freshman and high school on up. But you know that but the oil, oil boom the oil boom is really still going on right now. And... Uh, Around Midland, Big Lake, West Texas, a lot of that's the Klein Shale. Down here in the San Antonio area, of course, it's the Eagle Ford Shale. Right. right. You know, the industry is is really in a in a little bit of a bind right now, and and maybe we'll see it creep back out. Uh, you know, for too long. I know that a lot of West Texans are are walking around in eggshells because of that, and and just a you know, we're recording this here end of January, twenty fifteen. And out here on I-20, there's a place out there, and there's 15 rigs parked uh, now. And whereas oh. before, they had like one or two. Uh, 
Uh, so now it's starting to build. It's starting to build. We're, we're seeing that go away a little bit. But, you know, oil is, is one of those things that uh, it really is part of Texas culture, especially West Texas culture, is the oil business. And like you said, Big Lake kind of kicked that off or that area over there kicked that off. Um, but uh, Big Lake is is not just famous for that Santa Rita well. What else have we seen come out of Big Lake? Well, you know, here, let me preface that by telling you just a brief little story about the legend of Santa Rita number one, that discovery yeah. well. Tell us about there that. Was a, yeah, there wasn't supposed to be any oil there at all. Uh, there were some guys that leased the land out by Texan, and I, it's even more desolate than you can imagine. And they had to start drilling or lose that lease. Now, there were some nuns, some Catholic nuns in New York who were investors. Uh, they had been advised to invest in this well so they could keep enough money coming in to, to run their charity work. And so they gave specific instructions to the driller uh, of the Santa Rita number one. Number one, they had to name it Santa Rita number one. Now, Santa Rita was the patron saint of the impossible. And they instructed him to uh, go up and sprinkle rose petals uh, from the top of the drilling rig and say a little prayer to Saint Rita, you know, for the completion of this well. Okay. So, a lot of your subscribers and listeners may not know that the the movie The Rookie was uh, filmed, uh, and it was about Big Lake, and it was a the high school baseball coach. His name was Jimmy Morris, and uh, Jimmy Morris came to Big Lake. He 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 not only coached baseball, but but he. Also coached like, you know, in small towns, they coach a lot of different things. Right. And Jimmy was also the baseball coach. Well, he had, early in his career, he was drafted out of Brownwood High School. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Mild stomping think, grounds. Yeah, you're, you're familiar with Brownwood. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he, he played professional baseball. Well, he, he hurt his arm. He, he's a left-handed pitcher and he tore his arm up. He had about a, an 85, 87-mile-per-hour fastball and a really good curveball. And so Jimmy Morris was the high school coach. And he, he the players uh, issued a challenge that, uh, that they would win district if, if he would go back and try out for baseball because they knew he could throw baseball. Uh, he had been pitching batting practice, and he was throwing those 100-mile-per-hour fastballs in batting practice. And uh, my son was one of the members of that team. Now, in the movie, they called them the Big Lake Owls. They're really the Reagan County Owls, but you know how movies go. Yeah. And sure enough, uh, they did win district, and he did go try out. And four months later, he was pitching in uh, – at the ballpark in Arlington, Texas, mm-hmm. and struck out his first player and, and went on and, and had a second career in baseball. And, and he was fantastic. He did throw, he could throw a hundred mile an hour fastball, which for a left-hander was just fantastic. Absolutely. 
And uh, it that was a big deal in, in not only Big Lake, but all across West Texas uh, during that time. Uh, the movie, The Rookie, starts out with some some rose petals blowing across in the in the dust. And and that came about from the legend of Santa Rita, Santa Rita. Mm-hmm. So uh, they all, they all that, kind of go together, don't they? They do. And uh, Saint Rita was the patron saint of the impossible. The impossible oil well came in, and it was impossible. He was actually thirty-eight years old. He told him he was thirty-five, but uh, it was impossible for him to have a second career. But he did. So you know, we can. We can all uh, hope for the impossible. Well, you know that I remember watching the uh, the movie. I believe that was Dennis Quaid, wasn't it? In the film, it was Dennis Quaid. Yeah. And by the way, Dennis Quaid is a fellow Texan. He was he was yeah, born in in uh, in Houston. And Dennis Quaid came down to Big Lake one time and and uh, just to see where it was. Right. And he he had a pilot and uh, and a couple other guys came with him. And this just tells you about. West Texas people, some, and those are the people that I call real Texas people. Uh, so they flew in and they, they made arrangements uh, with a local car dealer to have a car parked out at the little airport that we have. And so the guy went out there and, and took his car out there and left it for him. And they went uh, immediately back to the little dealership, and it was actually a car repair garage. And uh, the, the guy's name was Don Dittman. Don was in there asleep on the couch. So Dennis Quaid and these two or three other guys came in and uh, tried to pay him for using the car, for renting the car, which he didn't want any money. He was just doing them a favor, as West Texas people do. And so they, they went and toured Big Lake and did whatever they did, went to the baseball field just to get a feel for where everything happened. And uh, and then Dittman, they they went back out to the airport and they left. Dittman told them just to leave the leave the car out at the airport and he'd go get it in a couple of days, which he did. Right. And it wasn't till later that uh, he was telling his wife that uh, you know some guy had come and rented a car. Don Dittman had no idea who Dittman. As Quaid was, or his <laughs> people that he was with, uh, he was just doing some guys a favor. <laughs> I have to tell you that that's just so typical of, of West Texas people. Yeah, the people. Yeah, we, people, we can sometimes people. be oblivious once in a while. Huh? They, yeah, they are. But that's that's real Texas people. That's They're the just way we polite, are. Yeah. Polite at I think that's true, though, and, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I like living in Texas so much. And I'm I'm not a native; I'm I'm naturalized. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I was talking to the, the wife the other day, and I said, "You know, you wouldn't want to live anywhere where else, would you?" And she goes, "Nope, I like living in Texas." And I and I asked her that question. <laughs> I said, "What is Texas?" And she said, "Texas is home," and that, that we kind of feel that way. We like living here, uh, but it, it's a it's culturally diverse and. Um, but you, you've had some experiences with, with different Texans and, and areas of Texas. And I noticed that you wrote a book called how to be a Texan. So how does, how does one be a Texan? Well, the, it, it's a funny, it's just a funny little ebook. And, uh, 
and it's uh, it's called How to Be Texan Wherever You Are, uh, because my my blog that I write on when the inspiration strikes me is called realtexasblog.com. And you can be Texan wherever you are, you know, by enjoying good Texas food. And and we actually, you know, we we show how to make homemade tamales. You know, every every good Texan has uh, tamales, homemade tamales during the Christmas season. And of course, uh, then you can have your own custom-made hot sauce and piccani and pico de gallo and all that. And we have salsa festivals all across Texas, and you can attend salsa salsa festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be Texan wherever you are by doing all these activities, including talking like a Texan. You exactly. I have noticed that I have a, a pretty distinct West Texas attitude, and talk is, called, is spelled T-A-W-K, talk. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and uh, and I have visited with linguists, and uh, I do understand why I talk the way I talk. Uh, but it's it's from it's from the ancestors. You speak Texan. I speak Texan. There you go. And, yeah. and there's another little thing that says how to talk Texan. But I've seen several varieties of that little magazine or, yeah. or stories. They they try to you talk about uh, the the different foods and and things in Texas and. And I think of all the, the, they've got these, uh, uh, barbecue events, uh, you know, cook-offs. Uh, one of the things, uh, growing up in Brady, Texas was the, uh, uh, world championship barbecue goat cook-off. You're not going to find that any, anywhere else in the world. <laughs> no, no. And I've, I've actually attended that and that's what we still do, uh, here in the San Antonio and Halotus area. Mm. For instance, in, in April, they're having, uh, a strawberry festival in Poteet, Texas. Oh yeah. Which, Poteet strawberry which festival. Just, That's a big thing. It is a very big thing. Any, anytime you go in the HEBs, um, uh, anywhere around Texas, nearly every Texas town has an HEB, uh, any, any town of any size and the strawberries there. And very often the spinach is from Poteet, Texas, which mm-hmm. is just South of San Antonio. Yeah. And, you, you know, can be Texan wherever you are just by <laughs> going to some of these festivals. That's right. That's right. And, you know, uh, I, I think uh, down out here, this kind of south of where we are in, in Midland, uh, I believe, is it Terlingua Chili Festival or something like that they have out here, if I remember right? There is. It's Yeah, it's out in the, in the uh, Big Bend. And I've met uh, this lady. Uh, and she makes a, a chili uh, concoction called Sin Chili. Her name is Cynthia uh, something. And uh, she's actually won the, the world championship chili cook-off twice. Uh, wow. And very, very impressive. So if you run across Sin Chili, C-Y-N for Cynthia, Sin's Chili Dip, well, she's the lady. in She's famous in her in her area of expertise. I will definitely look but, into that. But there are lots of there are lots of holidays you can uh, uh, from Juneteenth, which is uh, strictly a Texas holiday, mm-hmm. although it's spreading across the nation some now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Texas Independence Day on March the second, uh, San Jacinto Day. You, you know, you can be 
you can be a Texan wherever you are uh, <laughs> by, by celebrating the Texas holidays. So your, your wife also uh, has really embraced Texas culture, and uh, I understand she does quite a bit of gardening. She does. She does uh, the thinking part. I'm, the, I'm merely the labor uh, <laughs> on her garden. Yeah, I'm I'm the laborer on her on her garden, um, and she does. But what she does mainly is she does gourmet cooking, and she's developing a uh, uh, a cookbook, and it's called what else? Real Texas recipes. It'll be it'll be uh, published uh, in hardcover, both uh, hardcover and uh, iBook uh, mm-hmm. format, and and. Yeah, and other other ebook formats also. Okay. So Excellent. yeah, she's she's a fantastic cook and and a developer of Texas recipes. That's what she's in there doing right now. I can I can smell some <laughs> raspberry concoction. Well, you're making me hungry. All this talk about food, and I, I didn't I have much to, of a lunch today. <laughs> yeah, well, it's hard to be me sometimes. I have to say. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, I want to let our folks know, you mentioned already uh, that you've got your site at realtexasblog.com, and then Ramona's got her site at uh, ramonasbasilgarden.com. Is that right? That's correct. It, and uh, she specialized in specializes in basil growing and sells basil seeds, but we have... I have no idea how many varieties of basil we have planted around our house right now. Uh, Fifty or a hundred. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's a tremendous amount. Yeah. Well, you've educated me right there. I thought that basil was basil, but apparently there's a number of different types of basil. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's her her site. Of course, my site specializes in Texas. Her site has uh, basil varieties and recipes. But something else interesting on her side, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to look at it, is her life story. Uh, she, uh, she's uh, been in several movies. She was actually mm-hmm. born in Saigon. Right. Uh, and uh, has had a, an extremely interesting life. So it would be good to also look at her, her life story. Uh, and, and there's a tab you can click on there to look at that. I we'll definitely want to direct our listeners to that, and and of course we'll have those posted up on the uh, on the show notes on the website after after the show. Well, David, I'd like to first of all thank Ramona for letting you be on the program today. Uh, she'll appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but really, seriously, thanks so much for joining me this week, Matthew. It was my pleasure. Uh, Best of luck to you in the in the Voices of Texas podcast, and and I'm I'm working my way through your uh, the ones that you've done uh, previously. They're fantastic. Uh, you'll do well. Well, I, we're going to try to keep bringing some uh, some more interesting stories each week, uh, and we appreciate uh, your stories on, on this week's episode. Folks, before I finish up for this episode, I want to remind you that February 6, 2015 is the deadline for nominating podcasts for the 10th Annual Podcast Awards, and I hope that you'll be willing to nominate Voices of Texas for the general category. So now for instructions on that, go to VoicesOfTexas.com slash podcast awards and follow the instructions there. There's a link there that you can go and you can nominate. 
And of course, once nominating is closed and we get enough nominations, uh, the voting process will begin. Now, don't forget to subscribe with your favorite podcatcher app. Uh, we're on uh, iOS with the podcast app on iTunes. And if you have Android, you can get the Stitcher app. And of course, please follow me on Facebook as well as Twitter at Voices of Texas. Thanks again for listening. And I will bring you another interesting Texan next time on Voices of Texas. Opinions of guests, co-hosts, and others appearing on this podcast are not necessarily the views of its host, producer, or affiliates. No part of this podcast may be reproduced or retransmitted in any way over any medium without express written consent of the producer.